I want to just get right into the word today. If you have your Bibles, go to Hebrews chapter 6. And I want to start a series uh, today. Uh, and I want to just call it the Serve series. Everyone say serve. Serve. And uh, whether you realize it or not, you are called to serve. And I want to look at uh, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. And, um, and I'll read this. And uh, just just stick with me for a minute. I'm going to lay a little bit of a foundation. I'm going somewhere with this. And then next week we'll go somewhere else with this. And so uh, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10 says this. For God is not unjust. Everyone say unjust. So as to overlook your work and the love that, that you have shown for his name in serving the saints. Everyone say saints. I want you to catch that. It says saints. You know, and, uh, we say this, there are saints and there ain'ts, right? Uh, you're either one or the other. But when, when the writer of Hebrews says saints here, he's talking about when you serve people within the church. Sometimes we, we always think serving is outside of the church. But how many know that we could serve each other? Amen? How many know sometimes as the people of God, we do not serve the people of God very well? All right, didn't get very many amens on that. It must have struck a chord, all right? But, but it says this, you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. So let's pray. I want to talk to you today on this simple subject of serving one another. Serving one another. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for the presence that I feel in this house. God, I thank you for the spirit of God, the liberty that I feel in this house. God, I pray, Lord, that you would use me today, God, as an oracle of you. God, I pray, Lord, that the words that come from my mouth would not be my own, that they would be yours. God, I surrender my will to you today. Have your will and way. In Jesus' name we pray it. Everyone said amen. amen. Serving one another. So, so uh, I love this verse. For God is not unjust as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. That means you're continually doing it. So. Helping, if helping God's people is showing love to God, let me ask you this question. If helping God's people is showing the love to God, then what is not helping God's people showing? Think about that for a minute. If helping God's people is showing the, a love to God, then what is not helping God's people showing? Come on now. I know I'm going to come in and sit right, right where you're at today. Uh, and I ask that not to bring up any issues. You say, Pastor, are there issues in our church? Are people not serving? Is it not this? No, 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 that's not it. But what I want to do is get us lined up in the perfect will of God and, and have us understand as a people of God why we serve, when we serve, and, 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 and so we understand so we can have the right vision that God for, has for us. How many know that we want God's vision for this house, not ours? And our approach and our way that we walk with God is with him, okay, and, and, and also with each other. So look at this. Galatians 6.10 says this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw some verses at you pretty fast here. It says, it says this. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to who? And especially to those who are the household of the saints. Woo, come on, somebody. Oh, okay. I, you you say, Pastor, man, this is you're you're kind of talking about serving inwardly here. But listen, there's a principle I want to get to today. I, I'm raring to go right now. Look at this. First Peter four ten says this: As each has received a gift, use it to serve who? As good stewards of God's varied grace. So Romans tells us there's a list in Romans chapter twelve that tells us. That there are gifts and these certain gifts. Some people are good administrators. My wife is an administrative queen. 
Without her, I look good because of her. I could tell you that right now. You know what she does? She puts everything in my calendar. She lets me know, you have this today. You have this. You say, Pastor, are you, are you bad? No, it's not that I'm bad. It's just that I would never put it in my calendar. Come on, somebody. And I would forget, and somebody would be like, hey, Pastor, are we supposed to meet today? And I'd be like, was I supposed to meet you? But no, no, she keeps me organized. But some people are good administrators. Come on, if you're a good administrator, raise your hand. All right, nobody wants to raise their hand in the house. A few people want to raise their hand and say, well, Pastor's going to ask me to administrate. That's what it is. One of them is administration, one of them is giving, come on, one of them is prophecy, one of them is, is a server, one of them is a teacher, one of them is exhorter, a giver, a leader, mercy extender. Come on, I want to be a mercy extender in all that I do. I want to give people grace that they don't deserve. I want to give people mercy that they don't deserve, amen? So look at this. Uh, in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, it, 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 Paul goes on to tell us that there's these unique gifts and gifts of the spirits, and that's the word of knowledge and healing and faith and miracles and prophecy, discernment and tongues. And, and what he says about all of those things is these gifts exist to build up. Everyone say build up. To edify. You know what? These gifts exist to build up and to edify us and one another. When we use our gifts, come on, when we use the gifts that God has given us to serve others, come on, we are building up the kingdom of God. You say, well, pastor, I don't know my giftings. Well, here's a, here's a shameless plug right here. Come on. At our church here, if you're new here and you haven't been through it, we do something called growth track. Come on, somebody, right? How many have been through growth track? Raise your hand. Look at this. This is amazing. This is amazing. If you haven't, it's not that we're picking on you or anything like this. We want to offer this. But see, why do we have growth track? See, there's four classes. We do these in two sessions. And let me tell you what we do in those classes. We tell you about our church. We, that's the first thing. We tell you who we are, what we believe doctrinally, how we govern, how we do things. And listen, you say, well, I didn't know you were that kind of church. So we want you to understand who we are up front so you understand why we do what we do, all right? And if this is not the church for you, we, pray, we say, hey, God bless you. Hey, we pray that, that you get where God wants you. I mean, that is our hearts. And so we want you to learn about our church. We want you to learn how we govern, how we, how we spend and do money and, and, and our doctrine. And, 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 and one of the classes that we do is learning your giftings. Come on. Learning your giftings and things so we can get you plugged in to serve. I didn't get any amens on that. One amen over here. Thank you for that one amen. We do this to get you plugged in to serve. Thank you. You say, well, I don't know if I want to do that. Listen, you know, here's the deal. I I'll tell you this. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Let him, let him deal with you, and, and he'll work some things out in you, and maybe there's some things that need to be shaken out of you. But I promise you, we, our goal here is to get you plugged in, all right? So look at this. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28 says this. Listen, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to what? Jesus came not to be served, but to, and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know who he gave his life for? Everyone do this. All of us. All of us in here. So Jesus, I believe, was the greatest servant and the greatest example of servitude ever. And you know what? I would equate leadership. So there's a lot of books on leadership, right? Man, you can go to the library and look up a leadership thing and see all kinds of books. I dare you to go to the library or go to a Christian book place, christianbook.com, and look up books on being a servant. And you will find far less books about being a servant than being a leader. 
It's not natural to us, but servanthood, uh, the, uh, leadership is serving and servanthood. The King of kings and the Lord of lords came to serve and to not be served. Now, you may think that you're, uh, you're up there high on this, but you need to get yourself off of your prideful place and realize that if the king of kings came to serve, you ought to be serving as well. Come on, right? So I, I want to just, I'm laying a little bit of a foundation here. Two kingdoms in this world. There are two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of God. Everyone say, yeah. And then there's the kingdom of darkness. Everyone say, boo. All right? And, and they are at war with each other. The scripture tells us they're constantly, since the Garden of Eden, I mean, and even before that, there's this constant battle, and they are warring, and they are fighting. And the Bible says this, that we're taking ground, and that we're pushing the uh, back the gates of hell. How many know that the kingdom of God is pushing forward, and the kingdom of darkness, they are, they are at war. But rest assured, listen to me, rest assured that God's kingdom will win one day. Amen? Amen. But I can tell you this. We are all born in the kingdom of darkness in our lives. So it's, it's more natural. Why do you say that, Pastor? It's more natural for me to sin uh -huh, than it is to not sin. Uh, my, uh, and, and the DNA uh, of God's new kingdom or, or God's kingdom will not allow the kingdom of darkness in. Okay, so listen, they're two kingdoms, but they have a front. You're not going to be able to straddle the fence from one kingdom to the other. Some of you are trying to have one foot in the kingdom of darkness and one foot in the kingdom of light. Can I tell you something? You're going to get splinters in your crotch if you do that. Right? You were not designed to straddle the fence. You belong, come on, you belong in the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. <laughs> and we come to Christ. When we come to Christ, we're in this new kingdom, and it's different than our old nature. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians, anyone in Christ is a new creation. Everyone say, new creation. And behold, all things are made new. Amen. See, it's, it's hard for us because some of you uh, were experts in the kingdom of darkness. Some of you were good liars. Ooh, I look down, no one will know it's you. Some of you were cheaters. Some of you were gossipers. Some of you were haters. Some of you were slanderers. And some of you, uh, all of us were sinners. But, but here's what I'll tell you. You cannot bring the characteristics of the, the, the kingdom of darkness into God's kingdom. Amen. They, they don't jive because the kingdom, uh, God's kingdom, listen, it, it, it is pure and it is right. So look at this. So uh, some, of, uh, some of that old kingdom sometimes comes out in us, right? You know how I know that? Get in a traffic jam, right? Right? You know, I heard a little boy that, that, that he, he was riding with his grandparents, and he said, you know, there's an awful lot less idiots on the road when you're driving, Grandma, than Dad. Right? Come on, that's the kingdom of darkness rearing up within us. Come on, say, Pat, I haven't arrived yet. I'm working on it. But what I'm trying to tell you today, listen, what I'm trying to get to you, and you need to get this in your heart, is, is this, that the one key characteristic of the kingdom of God that we see led by Jesus Christ is servanthood. 
servanthood. It goes against everything we know. You know why? Because we love us some us. Right? Come on, just an honest evaluation, right? Uh, uh, it, it, go, it goes against us. So our normal nature is to, is to not let anyone get something over on us, right? Oh, you're not going to get me. You're not going to, no, you're not going to take advantage of me, right? You're not going to do this, right? That is our normal nature. But, but, but you know what the kingdom of God says? Why not? I don't like that, Lord. I, I don't like that statement, Lord. I don't like that. When you, when you feel dominated by a situation or a person, instead of fighting it, come on. This is what the Lord says. Step back and, 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 let, and, and what the kingdom of God says is this. Don't, you're not going to take this thing from me. I'm going to give it to you. I'll give you a good example of this. Look, it's Matthew 5, verses 40 and 40, through 42. And it says, if anyone should sue you uh, and they want to take your, your shirt or your tunic, it says, let them have your cloak as well. Go a step further. But look, it even goes further. Jesus is saying this. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, you know what? I'm going to go two. And you know what? People will look at you like you're crazy, right? Hey, nobody, nobody really likes this kind of teaching. I'll, give you, I'll tell you what he's talking about there. So in, in, in the Roman times, when the Roman emperor, uh, when they ruled, the empire ruled over Israel, they were, they, they were just, man, they had their thumbs down on the Jewish people. They just didn't let them do certain things, and they were rough on them. And what would happen is if a Roman guard was walking and he was carrying all his gear and things and he got tired, he could grab you if you were a Jewish person and say, hey, you're working in this field. You're a farmer. You're sweating really bad. Guess what? I need you to carry my stuff. And by law, you had to carry their stuff for one mile for them. You had to give at least one mile for them and, and stop what you were doing so you could help this guy out because he told you to because if you didn't, you would die. And what Jesus is saying there, when they ask you to go one mile, take it two. Because the world looks at that and they go, what in the world is going on? And Jesus says, go two instead of one. And it, and it blows their mind because the, God's kingdom is not like the kingdom of darkness. And I believe this. Jesus modeled servanthood uh, the best. I, I think he, he absolutely modeled it. So in John chapter 13, I'll, I'll set the scene for you here. In John chapter 13 is the Last Supper. And there Jesus, the, the custom and, and, and the culture was to do this. When you went into a house was to wash people's feet, right? That's what it says. That's what the Bible says. And, 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 and what typically would happen when I would go into, to, let's just say I'll use Greg as an, as a, an example. To, if I was to go into to Greg's house, Greg Johnson's house, listen, the lowliest person in the house, I don't know who that would be. I'll let you guys decide that. But the lowliest person in the house would come in and they would wash my feet. See, I, and back in the, those days they had sandals. They're open-toed shoes. And so their, their feet were grimy. Come on, somebody. Their feet were nasty. All right. And, and they had dirt all over them. And they there was feces on the road from animals. And, and the first thing that would happen when they would come in is they would wash their feet as a courtesy to them. How many are glad that we don't do that in American culture? Right? And, 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 and you know, I could equate it to this. It's kind of like when you go to church wearing your Sunday best to, to service. I want to be my best. I want to be my cleanest that I can. And, and, and so it's interesting. So they're in this place, and it's a borrowed space. And, the, and in the middle of dinner, Jesus takes off his robe, and he does something amazing. 
He does something super amazing. Help me, Greg. Help me, Greg. Uh, he didn't know I was going to do this. Come on, Greg. And listen, and Jesus does something right. In the middle of dinner, hey, it, being at the head of the table, Jesus sees something. He sees a need. He sees a situation. And this is what he does. He comes in. Come on, Greg's going to play Jesus. This is all the people I got right now. No, 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 no. You're going to keep your shoes on, buddy. No. <laughs> I want you to put that on. And, you know, this is all I got for Jesus. I'm sorry. It's the best I could do in the house. But, um, and he comes in and he puts on this apron backwards, inside out. <laughs> the king of kings and the Lord of lords, moments away from, just days away from going to the cross. Puts on an apron, and he assumes the, the lowest position in the house. Now, he has 12 disciples. You'd think by, then, by now that those knuckleheads would know what to do, right? You'd think they would understand the customs of the world. No, no, no. They're sitting there. And I want you to picture this in your mind. See, they didn't sit at a table. I know you've seen the, the Last Supper, and they're all sitting at a table. No, 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 no. They reclined at tables. They were down on the ground. And let me tell you what it would have took, what it would have took. Greg, you're not going to wash my feet, but, but here's a towel, and here's a bowl, and this is what it would be. If I was sitting there, and I was, I was Peter, and I'm sitting here eating reclined like this, and Jesus would come around. Okay, go right here. And, 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 and Jesus would come around. It would force me. Come on. Come on, come on, I'm getting real here. It would force me to get to this place, and guess what? I would have to make eye contact with Jesus as he washes my feet. The scriptures, this is a beautiful thing. Man, you're doing good on that. I should have brought shoe polish. Stay right there. But what happens in the middle of, of all this washing of feet, he's going down the line, and he washes Judas's feet. Come on. <laughs> who he knew was going to betray him, that he, that he knew uh, was going to, uh, you know, turn him in. Man, that, that is, boy, if there's something, the boy, that's the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of darkness, right? Listen, I'm going the extra mile. And then he gets to Peter, and Peter's like, Lord, I won't let you wash my feet. And, and Jesus says, listen, you better let me wash your feet or you'll have no part in my kingdom. And he tells him that very strong. And, and, Peter, and Peter says, well, Lord, don't just wash my feet. Wash my hands. And, you know, Peter, he's extreme, right? He goes from one extreme, don't wash anything to wash everything. Jesus said, no, 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 you're getting it wrong. Listen, I just need to wash your feet. You've already been made clean. And then he goes on to say this. He said, but one of you here is not clean. And he knows who he's talking about. He's talking about Judas Iscariot. So, but that statement is beautiful. But I want you to look at this. So can you picture that in your mind? Th thank you, Greg. Come on, give Greg a hand. Can you picture that in your mind? This is beautiful. But look at this. In John chapter 13, verse 12, this is what happens. Stay right here real fast. Stay right there, Jesus. Sorry. I forgot I had something else I wanted you to do. Verse, verse 12 says this. When he had washed their feet and put his outer garments back on, and he, look at this. He what? He resumed his, his what? His place. Jesus serving in the lowly place. Didn't, didn't change his place. You know where, he, where was his place? The head of the table. 
the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He didn't demean himself by serving at a lower place. Matter of fact, he put himself there. It's a beautiful thing. And then, then this, you can, come on, give Greg one more hand. Thank you. It says this, it says, uh, when, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, I want you to look at this. Do you understand what I have done to you? What I have done to you. I want you to look at the preposition there, two verses four. He didn't do it for them. He did it to them. Oh, uh, he's showing them something. Jesus leaves this place of, of service and goes back to his place. And that's the, at the head of the table. And Jesus knew his identity. Listen, he knew who he was in Jesus. Listen to me. There are people who don't know who they are in Jesus and they have insecurities. And they say, hey, that kind of serving, I, I, am, I am above that. Listen, if the King of kings and the Lord of lords will get down to the lowliest place and wash his disciples' feet who are about to deny him, leave him, and scatter all across the place. Come on. Why can't we do it? It's a beautiful example. The fact that he was serving in a lower capacity didn't negate the fact that he was the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Listen to me. If you're here today, I want to tell you this. Insecure people, they don't know who they are in Christ. So when they feel like they have to serve in a lesser role, maybe, maybe something that's not up front, listen, they get, they get a little bit upset. What do you mean you want me to do this? God says, hey, Jesus gives us a perfect example. Hey, hey, you can serve anywhere. And notice Jesus' statement. Do you understand what I've done to you? Not for you, but to you. Look at this, verse, verse 13. He goes on to, first, to explain this. It says this, you call me teacher and the Lord, and you are right, for so am I. So he's saying, I, I know who I am. You're right. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Verse 15, for I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Serving one another. So I want to give you this. Here's some, here's some uh, effects of serving one another, all right? How many, how many want to be transformed and changed? How many want to go deeper in the things of God? Listen, listen, step up your serving game. Step up your serving game. So here's some effects uh, of serving one another. I'm going to give you five of them. I'm going to shoot these off as fast as I can here, all right? Look at this. Number one is this. When we serve one another, it heals offenses. It heals offenses. Can I tell you something? It's hard to stay offended when, when, uh, 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 when you are in love. But, but, but what is the greatest expression of love? Serving. Serving one another. Serving one another. Hey, uh, you can talk about love all you want, but the expression of love speaks louder than the words of love, right? I can tell my wife I love her all the time, but guess what? If I don't ever express that to her, there's a difference. So serving her. One time, Tristan and I got in a fight. One time, no, a few times, we got into some intense fellowship in our 20 years of marriage. And there have been times where we might struggle to communicate or even uh, avoid each other because we're both stubborn and won't quit. Come on, don't look at me all pious. You guys do the same things. You're just, you're just afraid to admit it. And it's crazy when what happens in those moments and and, and we've both done this. I can't take all the credit. But when I begin to serve her, when I begin to do things for her, when I begin to be, do a nice thing, put the laundry in the in, come on in for her, come on, or, or, or help her do the dishes, 
or hang that picture that she's wanted me to hang or turn off the breaker so something's broke so she needs my help and has to talk to me, right? That's a little, little, little expert marriage tip right there. But what happens is when we begin to serve each other, and when she's done that for me, guess what? The offense begins to get smaller and smaller. I, I asked Don if I could, if I could tell this story, and, 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 and because he told this, I think, at the marriage retreat last year, and it's a beautiful story. Him and Betty, they've been married 62 years. Is that right? 62 years. Come on, that's awesome. 62 years. And, and when Don was younger... And uh, I won't tell you how old he is, but when Don was younger, he said he just had a really bad day. And uh, he got really upset about something, situation, and he ended up, um, like, hitting a glass table and broke this glass coffee table. Come on. And, he, and some of you say, well, how did you get so bad? Listen, you've been there. You just don't want to admit it. Come on. And, and he went outside, and, and when he came back in, listen, listen to this. Listen to this. I, was, I said, can I tell that story, Don? I talked to him this morning, and he started crying. And when he went inside, listen, this is beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. You know what his wife, Betty, did? She had a bowl there. She had a, had a rag there. And she began to, as he sat down, she said, I need you to sit right here. And she began to wash his feet. And he was humbled in that moment. And all offense and everything that was wrong and all the situations began to melt because she was serving him. Come on, somebody, right? And, and come on, come on. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. That's beautiful. Say, what are you saying? Be like Betty. That's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of darkness is like, no, I'm going to argue. We're going to get upset. We're going to fight, 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 fight till we get this done, right? You cannot do life. Listen to me. You need to understand something. You cannot do life without offending somebody. I'm going to offend you. I'm your pastor. I am going to offend you at some point. Get ready. I know this. You should know it. But it's crazy to me. Sometimes church people are like, I can't believe the pastor said that to me. I, I can't believe they would do that. You know, I, I'm going to offend you. You know why? Because I'm a different person than you. The Holy Spirit uses me sometimes to get the rough edges off of you, uses you to get the rough edges off of me. I, as I pastor this church, I'm going to offend you at some point. So it's amazing to me. People who come to our church, they're new to the church. Oh, I love this church, pastor. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to offend you at some point. I know I am. Right? I don't do it intentionally, but I, I do it, uh, you know, but this is what I know. When, when, when that happens, if I serve you and you serve me, guess what? That offense begins to be swallowed up as I serve you, and, and that begins to, to melt away. The, the true test of love is will you continue with me after I offended you? But this is what happens. Listen, in our world, our little microwave world, well, I'm upset, so I'm going to go somewhere else, right? Rather than love and serve and continue on. Come on, somebody, right? Uh, love covers the multitude of sin. Everyone say, love covers the multitude of sin. We love by action and are more Christ-like when we serve one another. And that offense is broken off. Amen. So when we serve, it heals all of those silly offenses. All right? So here, there's number one. Number two is this. It breaks off pride. Everyone say, breaks off pride. The scripture is clear about pride, that God resists the proud. We see that in 1 Peter. We see that in James. We see that in uh, several scriptures and Proverbs and whatnot. And, and this is what I'll tell you. Pure humility is realizing the grace of God that has been extended to you. 
You know when you become humble? When you understand what God did for you. Uh, it's, it, it, is, it works every time. Well, why don't people walk in humility? They have no idea that the grace that has been extended and been given to them. I sound like a broken record. On Wednesday night, I've been punching this hard. Bam, bam, bam the last few Wednesday nights. And, and, and I say this, it's, it's by grace that you are here today. It's by grace that you're not dead. It's by grace that you're not strung out on drugs. It's by grace that you're not buried in your sins. It's by grace that you're not dead in the grave. But God... Amen? Ephesians 2.4 says this, but God. Everyone say, but God. I love that, that Ephesians chapter 2 because the first three verses, he lays it out. I am bad, 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 bad. And then verse 4, he says, but God. Amen. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by Grace, you have been saved. There's a story of this man. He lived a couple of hundred years ago in, in only England. And on the epitaph on his tombstone, it reads this. Some of you, I'm going to say his name. Some of you know who he is. Some of you won't know who he is. It says this, John Newton, pastor who was once an infidel and a libertine, a servant of slaves in Africa, was by the rich mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Preserved, come on, restored, pardoned, and appointed to preach the faith he had long labored to destroy. So that word infidel and that word libertine means this, that, that he was morally bankrupt. And this guy, John Newton, uh, you know, uh, uh, he, was, he was full of sin. He was a wicked man. The, bio, or the, the story goes like this, that he, was, that he was a slave trader. How many know that that is the lowest of all lows? Right? And count it out. But it's amazing to me that God would come in and change his life and would use him. And what did he do with, with all the grace and mercy that he received? He, he changed his life. He became a pastor. He preached against uh, slavery in this small town that he was at. And he, and he rose up to talk about God's grace and mercy. And, and some of you don't know him, but I guarantee you know the song that he wrote that goes like this. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. But now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Come on, it was the grace extended to him. He made some mistakes. He was rotten to the core. But God, next time you have bad service at a restaurant... You know what you should do and say, hey, I, I, you guys are slow back there. You need some help? Let me go back there and help you do the dishes. You would blow their mind. They'd be like, yeah, we'll take some help, right? Next time they mess up on your latte, come on, you ought to give some grace. And they say, is that right? And you'd be like, yeah, it's terrible. No, it's great. God bless you. Right? Because of God's 
grace, when you've been extended grace, come on, when you've been extended grace, listen, you know, hey, that serving is not above me, that, that God's grace, it's the only reason that I'm able to serve, so it doesn't matter what I'm doing, come on, it's God's working through me, and so it's hard to serve when you're full of pride. And it's hard to love when you don't realize the love and grace and mercy that's been extended to you. John Newton went by, by the grace of God from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God by grace. So look at this. Here's number three. It cures worldliness. Cure, cures worldly culture. Matthew 20, verse 25 through 27 says this. But Jesus called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be among you, all right? But whoever would be great among you must uh, uh, must be your servant. So uh, you know how the, the world system works? Me, I, 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 I want this promotion. I want this promotion. I'm better than that person. I'm good at this, right? Me, 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 I, I want that deal. Come on. Think about Black Friday. How many people got beat up and trampled on Black Friday over VCRs and, and, and the VCRs, not even that old. All right, over TVs. Man, I'm aging myself. It's amazing to me. But in this passage, you know what's happening? The disciples, they've been arguing with each other, and, and, and they're talking about who's going to be the greatest. We're following Jesus. Who's going to be the greatest? I'm going to be the greatest. They're, they're arguing, and they're, they're talking this out. And Jesus is setting the record straight, and they realize that if Jesus is the Messiah, and that he's, they're thinking, oh, he's going to challenge the Roman Empire, and we're going to take over. Guess what? I'm going to be on his cabinet. He's going to use me in a great way. And we left our families. We left our jobs. And, we, and you know what? And we're going to serve with Jesus, and he's going to overthrow the Roman Empire. You can see Judas going, oh, I'm going to be the CFO, the chief financial officer, right? Because that's what he did. He took care of that. And then, then then look at Peter. He said, I'm going to be the CCO. I'm the, I'm the chief communications officer in this group. Listen, God's going to use me to do this. But Jesus tells them, you knuckleheads. I believe that's how he talked to them. You knuckleheads. The greatest among you is the servant. Not the person striving for leadership or pushing their agenda. When you learn to serve each other, it knocks off all the worldly culture in us, right? My turn. I'll crush you, whatever it takes. What we say, it's hard to serve when people use you, right, especially in church. You ever been there? I've been there. I remember starting ministry, and, and you know, my dad was a pastor, and I said, Dad, I, I want to do this. I want to be on stage. I want to speak. I want to sing. And you know what my dad did? I love my dad. All right, you want to do something like that? Then you be over here at the church. We're going to cut the church grass. You're going to get all on more. Hey, and guess what? You want to serve You want to serve the church? You come over here and grab this weed eater, and you start weeding this, this grass. And, and you know what? And, and then the places that I've served in ministry as a, as a youth pastor, they're like, and I'm thinking, man, I'm going to win this world, you know, to Jesus. And they said, you know what? They said, oh, here you go, you know, youth pastor TJ. Here's a shovel. You go out there and dig that sewer line because it's, it's backed up, and we're going to dig that up and fix that right now. And I'm out there shoveling. I'm like, I ain't going to get nobody saved out here, right? And knocked me over the head and said, listen, I... Uh, you know, uh, you know. I, I was thinking about this last night. I, at one point, you know, we were serving, and we had water coming into one of the buildings at one of the churches we were at, and the alarm started to go off because water was coming in at such a crazy rate. And so me and, and the youth, I was associate pastor, and the youth pastor got there, and the pastor, we all showed up because the alarm was going off. We didn't know what was going on. And we get in there, we see waters in the building. We're, we're mopping and we're cleaning up. And then all of a sudden, there's these big old rats in the building. 
I'm, I'm not lying. These big old rats just, they're climbing across the rafters. I'm not lying. And one of them slips and, and falls and he hits the ground. Listen, uh, I'm not lying. Our, our youth pastor, used to, he was a missionary, used to be a missionary. And you know what he does? I'm, I'm frozen. I'm like, that is a big rat. I don't know what to do. And you know what he does? He goes over to the corner and goes. <laughs> and smashes and kills that thing with his foot. They didn't teach me that in Bible school. Serving cures worldliness, amen? I've heard it said that if serving is beneath you, then leadership is beyond you. And that goes against the world. The world says this, the kingdom of darkness says do it this way. God says do it this way. Serving. Here's the next one. It empowers the server. I love this one. Uh, when you start using your giftings, I'm going to ask the worship team to come. You, to serve others, the power of God begins to surge through you. Listen to me. I'll tell you from experience. When you when you start using your giftings for the Lord, uh, man, the Holy Spirit comes in, and, and things that you thought that you couldn't do, He gives you strength to do. You know, and you think, man, I don't know if I could ever pray for somebody. When you start and just start praying for somebody, Holy Spirit comes upon you, and He surges in you, and He begins to give you power, and He begins to help you work that gift. Matter of fact, a gift is this: your gift is not for your benefit, but the gift is for somebody else. When did your gift become about you? When I buy my kids Christmas presents, I don't buy them for me. I buy them for. So it's not about me. You know, parents understand this concept. They love, uh, you know, at Christmas time, we love to give gifts. But, you know, it's better to, to give than it is to receive, right? That's a, that's a kingdom principle. And same goes for your gift. When you use it to edify, to encourage the kingdom of God, you'll, you'll feel alive. You'll come alive. You say, I'm tired in my soul. Go serve. Right? You'll feel purpose. You'll feel joy as, as you use your gift freely for others. It's amazing to me. Say, oh, I, I mean, if I can be totally transparent, you know, and we, man, we went from funeral to funeral, dinner to this last week, and it was busy. And I can tell you in my heart or in my body, I was, I was tired. Come on, right? How many know you get tired and you love on people and you serve people, and, and that's what it's all about. But let me tell you, in my spirit, I was flying high. I saw God doing some amazing things. I, I began to think about this, and I, and I don't, you know, not to embarrass her or anything. I'm glad she's here. Um, Cecilia. Cecilia. I won't tell you her age. But I will tell you this. Cecilia, since I've been here, has started volunteering. Come on. At Helping Hands Ministry. Listen, listen, it's not to glorify her. Let me tell you. And, and I saw something in Cecilia that has changed. And as she has served there, and she's led more people to Christ and prayed with people, countless, hundreds, maybe even thousands of people every day that she's able to, to serve there. And listen, it's not to give her glory, but she can tell you, she said this, I, it took me so long to find my calling, but now I want to give God 100% of it. Say, well, what's Healing Hands? That's a ministry up in, in Bloomington. Say, well, that's not, that, do you guys, what do you, is that part of your church? No, it's part of another church. But God, we're building the kingdom of God. Who, who cares? Amen? We're building the kingdom of God. And she's using her gift and empowering the server. And 
She's getting strength every day. And I have people ask me, Pastor, how, how do you keep going? How do you, how do you keep served? How, you know, you look tired. You ever want to quit? You know, and I, I say this, you know, I, I, you know what keeps me going? When a young Christian comes up to me and says, Pastor, you know what God's doing in my life? someone runs to the altar for salvation, when someone's freed from drugs, when a marriage is restored, when we pray for healing and, and people's lives are healed, it keeps me going because God is doing something. Come on. And those that serve, come on, when you serve, it empowers us. Amen. Here's the last one right here. Here's the last thing I, I want to challenge you. Shows the world that we belong to Jesus. Shows the world that we belong to Jesus when we serve one another. John 13, 35 says this, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have what? Love for who? He's talking about the people of God. Love for one another. Love is a verb. It's an action. It's not words alone, but it, there's an action behind it, right? So why has the world, listen to me, listen to me. Why has the world tuned out the church? Because we do not love each other. We do not do a good job of showing our love for one another. We, we don't. I, I'm saying, but man, are you, are you chastising us? No, I'm just talking about the church overall, serving one another like Christ commanded us to. He, he did it so good. He gave us a great example there in John chapter 13. So, so the world has tuned us out, but the kingdom of darkness says it's I, me, self, I. I do this for me. What will I get out of this? Will this get me ahead? The kingdom of God says, if you take, take up your cross and follow me, come on. That's what Jesus says. That's what he said. If you take up your cross and, and follow me, and Paul says it, that I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ within me. Amen? So what was Christ's example? Serving the disciples. He served others. He served others. Yeah, he healed the lame and, and, and the sick and those. and He did all that. But listen, he served his disciples right before he went to the cross. He, he gave us an example of who we are. Listen, when we, when we haven't died to ourselves, we need affirmation and pats on the back. Right? And listen, I, I think it's good. We all need, hey, you're doing a good job every once in a while, right? But listen, if we do it for man's applause... If we do it for man's applause, we, we're missing it. We're missing it. Nothing wrong, nothing wrong with that. But, but we've got to have this example of, of taking up our cross and following Jesus. And now I'll say this. When we haven't died to ourselves, you know, in our lives, sometimes we, we, we say, ah, oh, I don't know if I want to do that because, you know, pastor didn't, didn't give me a pat on the back last time I, I did that. And no one knew. And, but. What we should do is, if we're going to be the kingdom of God, we should say, it's my joy to do this. doesn't matter if anyone sees it. It's my joy to do this. Lord, I, it doesn't matter. God, I'm doing this to build your kingdom. Not mine. Your kingdom, Lord. Amen. Come on, give him a hand clap of praise. The world takes notice when the people of God are full of love. Can I tell you something? Look around in this building. Look around. I want you to look around in this building. Everyone look at each other. Come on. You've been looking at me long enough. These people that you're looking at, 
these people that you're looking at, they are your completion, not your competition. Amen? These people are your completion, not your competition. You know what? We should be a people that serve each other, that love each other, that encourage each other. Hey, I, I've got this gift. Hey, Matt has this, this gift of playing uh, the get fiddle right here. And he blesses us and he sings and that's his gifting. And Megan, she has the gift of prayer and she'll come and she will sit in these altars and, and cry with you and pray for you until you get what you need from God. Tristan has the gift of administration. She keeps things running uh, smooth through here. Somebody's got to do that work. Somebody, somebody, come on. And Don, he cuts the grass. It looks good all the time. Somebody does that. So, boy, you know, next time you come, man, that looks good. Serving. Serving. Serving our kids' pastors, our youth pastors. You know what? We give them a stipend. They are worth more than what we are able to give them. But let me tell you something. They serve tirelessly. They give 100%. They don't just stop, but they, they give more and more and more and more and more. And this is not a brag on them. But it's an example of what Christ told us to do. Amen. Will you stand with me all across this building? Thank you, Jesus.